Now, we have them all over in our media today. We have just rulers and very nice kings and queens, like in Daniel Tiger's neighborhood. We have people who are very regal, like Black Panther, who are just warriors and powerful, strong individuals, and people who sit in royalty and are very well adorned, have nice jewelry and stuff and nice clothing. And they all have something in common in that if you're a ruler, if you're sort of in charge of things, you usually have people that do stuff for you, right? Isn't that part of the deal? I would love to have people come and clean our house and do our laundry, but we're not royalty. Kings and queens usually have this kind of thing, right? Here's the thing. When Jesus came, someone who was quite powerful, quite strong, helped create and form the universe, Jesus showed us a very different kind of kingship, a different kind of, a different way of being a king. You see, Jesus was a rabbi, right? He was a teacher. Some called him master or Lord, which meant that his disciples, his followers, wanted to be like him. They wanted to do what he was about, do the things that he was doing, to learn from him and try to do their best to take care of him. It was not normal for a teacher like that to do anything weird like serve. But to be like a teacher, to be like your teacher, to be like your master, is what discipleship is about. We talk about wanting to be like Jesus, and so we want to learn from Jesus' example of the way that Jesus did things. Last week, we talked about wanting to be like Jesus in being generous and giving and focusing our attention on a lifestyle of giving. And today, we're going to be talking about a life of service, about serving other people, because to be like Jesus is to embrace a life of service. Now, instead of just reading the passage through, I'm going to tell us a story, a story that comes out of John chapter 13 from about verses 1 through about 17, life of service. You see, in this story, there was an annual festival. They call it the Passover. Every year, people would gather together, family and friends, kind of like Christmas and Easter and Thanksgiving. People gathered together to have this special meal, and it was an elaborate meal. They called it the Passover. It was one of the biggest celebrations in their culture in that day. And so people were gathered together. Families were there. The thing is, on that particular Passover, Jesus knew something. Jesus knew that his time on earth was about to be up. Jesus knew that in a couple of days, he would be hanging on a cross. That pretty soon, he would die. And that he would rise again. And then shortly after, he would leave the earth. And so, when they were coming together, when Jesus and his friends were coming together to celebrate this Passover, he thought, there's a couple of things 
that I just got to make sure they understand before I go. When you say goodbye to people, I didn't mean for it to be like this. You know, I wasn't thinking about my departure. I'm thinking about Jesus' departure. When you're about to say goodbye to people, you often want to make sure, what are the last things I want to make sure they understand? And this is what Jesus was doing with his disciples. And so as they were eating, they were having a great old time, Jesus starts to get really weird. Okay? Sometimes we think of Jesus as this kind of person with a glowing halo around his head, but Jesus got really weird that day. He went somewhere, he got changed, and he wrapped towels around himself, and he took out a wash basin, a heavy bucket of water, and he started going around and washing people's feet. Now, in those days, they didn't have closed-toed shoes like this, right? I mean, these shoes help make it so that my feet don't get quite as dirty, right? But if you walk around in flip-flops all day, every day, on dirt roads, because there's no sidewalks, and on gravel roads, your feet would get kind of gross, wouldn't they? Right? Hey, some of you kids like to run around outside barefoot. It's kind of the same thing. Your feet, you come back into the house, and your feet are all dirty, and you're leaving marks on the floor. People's feet were dirty. And so in really nice homes and celebrations, somebody would be there to help clean the feet. It was a nice gesture. And usually it would be done by someone who was a servant, not a teacher, not a lord. Getting your feet washed by itself for them, just for us, probably wasn't weird because it happened. Today it'd be feel a little bit weird. How many of you ever had your feet washed by somebody else? Actually, we probably all should raise our hand because our parents did it for us, <laughs> right? But even as adults, to have someone else wash your feet, it's weird. It's uncomfortable because there's still something in our minds that think of our feet as dirty things, and having somebody else have to deal with it is it's weird, let alone how ticklish it can be. Kids, how many of you have ticklish feet? Right? I see some hands. Oh, wait, I guess we could all raise our hands. How many of you have ticklish feet? I got really ticklish feet. It, they had to sit there and endure not only the tickling, but the weirdness, the uncomfortability of the fact that Jesus, their teacher, kids, can you imagine your teacher washing your feet? Goodness gracious, that's weird. Jesus was acting a little bit strange, wasn't he? But he lowered himself and behaved like a servant. Now, at first, the disciples had no idea what was going on. They're like, what is, you know, sometimes you're sitting in a situation and something very surprising happens and it kind of catches you off guard and it takes you a moment to gather your thoughts to understand what's going on. And it seems that that was going on at first. And then finally, when Jesus gets around to Peter, Peter's like, no, 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 no. Like, this is not okay. I am not having my master wash my feet. And then Jesus says, no, like, unless you do this, 
you have no part in what I'm about. And then so Peter says, okay, no, 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 then, then wash all of me. And he's like, come on, you're not, you don't get the picture. Like, it's not just about cleansing the body. You're fine. You see, they don't seem to understand what's going on, but then Jesus begins to make it clear. He says to them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. I, Jesus says, I am your teacher. I am your Lord. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash each other's feet. And then he says this, I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. This gets to the idea that what we're talking about in this series is what is it to be like Jesus? And if it is to be like Jesus, as that's what we want to be, then we serve one another. Do as I have done. Wash each other's feet. Care for one another. Now, Jesus shows us a particular kind of example here. He shows us an example of serving with humility. In other words, Jesus was not worried about how he looked in front of other people. Jesus wasn't worried about other people respecting him at that moment. Jesus wasn't worried about whether people thought he had power or anything. He said, I want to serve. I want to meet the needs of the people around me. I want to do things, and it doesn't matter how embarrassing or weird it looks, I am going to do it, and I am going to lower myself to serve someone else. Humility. We are a very self-conscious society. Kids at school, you, nobody likes to be uncool, right? I mean, if I asked you if you like to be uncool and you raise your hand, you're probably lying, right? Nobody likes to be uncool. It probably wasn't that different back then. People back then probably didn't like to be uncool. But Jesus didn't mind. Because he was humbling himself to the point of embarrassment. He didn't mind. This is an example for us. Serving isn't about serving and receiving accolades for serving. Serving isn't about doing something for someone other and then have a whole bunch of people heap praise upon you for serving. Jesus showed a self-lowering approach to serving. That you serve out of love for others and out of humility. And something else happens when we serve with humility. Because when we do that, when we lower ourselves, something happens to us inside. There's a difference between serving just to get the job done, serving begrudgingly. How many of you have ever done that? I've done that. And serving with humility. Because serving with humility is something about our heart condition, the way that we feel when we serve. Because if we're really being humble about it, lowering ourselves to care for others, we begin to put other people's needs above our own. We begin to highlight the fact that 
we ourselves are not the most important part of the picture. We are demonstrating in our actions the kind of message that we believe in, the kind of message that shows that Jesus came with humility to serve. When we learn to serve with humility, we learn to lay aside our selfish pride, to lay aside our issues with self-image and to care for others. And another thing that happens when we serve like this, as Jesus implies later on in this passage, is that we begin to actually act like messengers of the one that sent us. Because we are messengers of God to the world, we carry a message of Jesus who came with humility to serve. Jesus says this in Mark chapter 10, says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. One of the things that we celebrate as Christians is that we worship a God who lowered to be with us, who did not consider greatness and power and authority over all things as something to hold on to, but humbled himself to come in the form of Jesus. This is an example that we can follow in our everyday lives to serve one another. Now, what does that look like? There's a lot of opportunities to serve, and we're not just talking about serving in the church, although that's part of it. Serving in our community, finding ways to care for one another. Those of you who have siblings, how hard is it for you to want to serve your siblings with humility? Yeah, I'm looking at you two over there. It's hard. I'm looking at my own kids. It's hard. But that's a good place to start because we're training ourselves to serve. Help pick up your brother or sister's laundry when they miss the laundry basket. Help hang up their towel. That's a small place to start. Serve. Serve with humility. If you are married, one of the things that struck me when we got married is the person who was uh, running the service said this, asked the question of Maureen and I. It's easy to, for you to serve her, for her, you know, for you to serve each other when both of you have a lot of energy. But what happens when both of you come home from a hard, hard day in ministry and you're both emotionally exhausted? Then what? That's when it's hard to serve one another with humility because I'm tired and I just, you know, I don't want to do the dishes and then she's tired and she doesn't want to do the dishes. But at some point, we have to serve one another. We serve, and in so doing, we are becoming more and more like Jesus. That's what it is to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, to be like Jesus and to embrace a life of service. Find opportunities as families to serve together. Maybe you sign up for some sort of um, charity event where you could participate together as a family. Things like the, the 6K or going and serving um, at a 
ministry that serves homeless folks, like at the Samaritan Center. Find opportunities to serve together as a family, whether at church or in a local community center. You know, I'm sure Melody would be thrilled if any one of your families wanted to say, you know what, we as a family will be church greeters. Have a little name tag for your kids that says, welcome to, you know, welcome to See Me Covenant. And to welcome families as they come in. How will you, as families, think about serving together? Another way that you could find opportunities to serve is on the back of your, of your Connect card, there's that box that says over here on the next steps, check out ministry volunteer opportunities which are available at church. If you happen to check that box, you will get an email or phone call from us sending you a link to a list of things that we could use some help with. Maybe you want to step in, in small ways, start small, to serve. Maybe you want to live into that idea that you are a messenger of God and to share God's love with a neighbor by serving them in a meaningful way. You know, you find out that your neighbor's going to be heading out on vacation. Say, hey, I'll take your garbage bins down for you and pull them back up. I'll keep an eye on your house. I'll make sure that the paper gets picked up so people don't, it doesn't look like an empty house. Serve one another. Care for one another. And when we do so, we become like Jesus. Jesus came to serve and not be served and to give his life as a ransom for many. And in many ways, this is what we celebrate when we celebrate communion. Communion is for us not only a time to simply remember, but to experience the sacrifice and the love of Jesus for us. It is a central part of the Christian experience since the first century. People gathered together and broke bread and drank from the cup to remember the Lord's death until He returns. Today, we're going to be doing communion with all of us, and parents, you are invited to bring your kids to participate in it. If you feel like your children are not ready, that's okay. When it's time, Pastor Matt and I will be on either side of this table, and the kids can come up and receive a blessing from, each of, from either of us, or each of us, or both. Um, we would love for the children to participate in some way in the service. Communion is a way for us not only to remember the death and the sacrifice and the forgiveness of sins that we have in Jesus, but it's also for us to think about this is the depths to which Jesus served. As it said in Mark chapter 10, that the Son of Man came to serve and not be served and to give His life as a ransom for many. In communion, we remember that Jesus came to serve to the point of death on a cross. This morning, Melody will be leading us through the words of institution. Some of you know that Melody's been in seminary. She recently has been affirmed with her ministry license through the Covenant Church, so we're really proud of you for that. And so she will be coming up and leading us through the words of institution in a minute. 
children, I want to speak specifically to you. If you come up and participate in communion, like everybody else, we're going to take a piece of the cracker, which are, they're gluten, are they gluten-free? They're gluten-free, for those of you that need that. And you'll receive one, and then you dip it in the cup, and then you'll eat it. The bread, or the cracker, represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. And the grape juice is a reminder for us that Jesus bled and died. And that this is for us a sacrifice for our sins and an example of what it is to live sacrificially for one another. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for these elements, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you show us your example of sacrifice and service through these elements. And Lord, as we participate, would you bless us? Would you speak to us? And may we experience you here in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.